Hey guys, uh, my name is Joe. I am the Next Gen Pastor here at Fieldstone Church, and we have been in this relationship series uh, for the last two weeks now, and it's called Relationship Goals. Uh, in the first week, we talked about the idea of having a relationship goal of being Christ-centered, and then last week, we talked about the idea of being mission-driven. And really, um, this idea of relationship goals came from more of like a popular hashtag that occasionally you will see uh, on some type of social media. And if, if we're honest here, uh, and I'm a pretty honest guy, I like to say that, uh, relationships are hard. They are really hard. They are not easy. I've been married now for just over six months, about to go on seven months, and congrats to me. I I made it, I guess. I don't know. Um, but a lot of times when we have the idea of relationships, a lot of times we have culture that influences us to tell us really what a relationship should look like. If you look at movies, uh, a lot of the times movies make it look easy or, or maybe not easy but make it look natural like you'll find Mr. Right and he'll do everything in his power to be that person that you always dreamed of and, and to be honest I think every guy wants to be that to to their woman and, and then you find out it's really not that easy that that things start to wear on you that that marriage without direction is hard. And that's why we're really using this term relationship goals. It's that popular hashtag that sometimes people will put on social media with a, a couple pose or with their spouse or doing something ridiculous. And, and really relationship goal hashtag is, is people tend to use it to show off how awesome the relationship is, or to say that this is what a relationship should look like. It's usually like a couple, you know, standing on top of a mountain, taking a picture together, or on a crazy hike, and, and they put the hashtag relationship goals. And when we look at these pictures on, on Instagram and we see what people are considering relationship goals and I've seen this a, a ton, and if I'm completely honest, uh, a lot of times they're not real relationship goals. If me and Leah had relationship goals that were us standing on a mountain holding hands, I mean, that would be really cool. In fact, I, I would love to do that, but if that was our relationship goal, if that was what our marriage was striving to be, I would have to say that would be pretty shallow and pathetic. What I've been learning since being married for a short amount of time is that those goals might look awesome, but they're shallow. And you'll get to the point in your relationship when either of you won't have time to climb mountains anymore, or you'll be too old to do it. What I'm trying to say is this, that we need a firm foundation for our relationships. We need a firm foundation for our marriages. We need goals that will last 
and ultimately that will make our marriage fun, exciting, healthy, and honoring. So if you're single and you're not married and you're you're listening to this, this does apply to you. Even if you're in high school or you're in middle school, these are the things that we need to focus on. These are the goals that matter. These are the goals that help marriages, that help relationships to be able to do those cool things that we want to do. Today, like I said, uh, Justin talked about being Christ-centered. And he also talked about being mission-driven. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about temptation resisting, or what I like to say, devil kicking. It just sounds way cooler. First of all, no one gets into a relationship. No one gets married hoping, wanting it to fail. Unless you're weird, unless you're trying to go after the life savings or something like that and you're manipulating, no one does that. No one ever says, man, I want to get married and in like 10 years do it again. And then no one, in while they're married or while they're in relationships, go, man, I can't wait to be addicted to porn while I'm in a relationship. I can't wait to lust after other women when I'm in a relationship or lust after other guys while I'm married. No one ever has the goal of being the biggest liar and lying to their spouse. No one dreams of those types of goals. And usually it starts off with small lies that ultimately become bigger. No one ever plans or has goals of neglecting their spouse. No one ever has goals of having an affair with another person. No one ever has goals to bury themselves in work, where work becomes the priority and their marriage becomes second, third, fourth, fifth, or down the line. Here's the one thing I want you guys to hear today. If there's one thing that you can get out of this, is this, that your spouse is not your enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. Sometimes it feels like it, but they are not. They are not the one that you should blame when you start to drift or when you get upset or when you get bored or when you get frustrated, when you get mad. They are not the one to blame. It says this in 1 Peter 5, 8, the devil is your enemy. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We have an enemy that wants to hurt, kill, and destroy you. And not just you personally, but your marriage and everything it stands for. And until we know this, until we actually believe it and change our life and change our marriage to reflect that, how can we fight against it? Listen to this. If you knew for a matter of a fact that there was a person that wanted to come and hunt you down that wanted to hurt your 
family and you knew for a fact that you there was nothing you could do to stop them, you would do everything possible to try and stop them yourself. You would arm yourself. You would you would go and buy any type of weapon. Um, anything in your house would automatically become a weapon if needed. You would do anything to protect your kids, to protect your spouse. And this is the exact same way we need to be understanding. We need to be devil kicking. We need to Fight for our marriage and fight who the fight the devil, the person who actually wants to destroy it. And here's two things: two things. The devil loves to attack in two main ways. The first way is distractions. The devil loves to distract. Now, distractions might seem like a no-brainer. Like, when we think of distractions within our marriage that can kind of lead up, lead us off course, um, there's some that can come to your mind that are very easily, and, and those tend to be the big ones. Those are the big distractions that can happen uh, with within our life. And, and we, for the most part, if you're somewhat aware of these distractions, if you're somewhat aware uh, of how distractions can destroy a marriage, especially the big ones, you tend to stay away from them. You tend to, to stay away. But we're going to look at a passage in, in the Song of Sol- Solomon. Uh, and the Song of Solomon is a very romantic book. Um, but there's also a lot of good wisdom within it. And Solomon writes out uh, this conversation between two lovers, and it's very intimate. It's one of those passages that kind of like, you know, that you would giggle at when you were in middle school if you read it. Um, And it's building up on this conversation, but Solomon writes something very interesting. It's in Solomon chapter 2, verse 15. It says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard, our vineyard that are in bloom. So he kind of throws us in the passage and, and, and keeps on going. And it's one of those passages that really doesn't make that much sense. Um, it's kind of like hard to understand. And, and really, it's hard to understand because, one, I, I don't know how to grow grapes. I don't own a vineyard. And, and two, uh, I don't know that much about foxes. You know, I don't know what the fox says. Haha, <laughs> joke, joke, funny, funny. Um, but uh, it's one of those passages that we can skip over really easily, but Solomon was giving a warning. This was a very more of a serious tone that he kind of switches in. It it was going away from the compliments and the mushy, mushy, gushy, gushy, and he starts talking about foxes. And, and what he was trying to say was like, listen, here's here's what happens. These foxes would come into vineyards when the vineyards were, were starting to bloom, and, and they would come in and they would eat the blossoms off the vineyards. If you know anything, if you don't have blossoms, you don't have fruit. And ultimately, these foxes would come in and they would eat these blossoms off the vineyard, ultimately ruining the whole vineyard, that that the vineyard wouldn't produce any type of fruit. What does the enemy try to do? He doesn't come in with big distractions 
He comes in with little ones. The, the devil comes in and tries to distract you with little foxes. He comes in, he distracts us with comparison. The devil whispers, your husband isn't as romantic as him. He's not as spontaneous. There is no connection anymore. And then the comparison sneaks in maybe with a, a person from work. Wow, he really knows how to carry a conversation. Like he, he knows how to connect with me in a meaningful way. She really shows me a lot of attention. And it's these little things that start to creep in. The little distractions that a lot of times we brush off. A lot of the times we, we don't think that much about. And it's the little distractions that maybe we, we see within our spouse. I don't like the way you drive. I don't like the way you walk. I don't like the way you chew. I don't like the way you breathe when we're sleeping. Like... These little distractions come in and they start to pile up and it could be about money. It could be uh, maybe one of you is a little bit more controlling or one of you is is passive or or someone's nitpicking and you start to view these distractions and, and you start to build resentment and this wedge grows within your relationship and it starts spreading you further and further and further apart. It's the little distractions. Think about it. Have you ever been in a fight before with, uh, with, you know, your spouse or someone that you've been dating and during the fight, you totally forget what you were fighting about. It's these little distractions that pile up and build and build and build. It causes this wedge. Because the devil wants nothing more than your marriage, than your relationship to be destroyed. Listen, the devil knows where you are vulnerable. He will attack and he will distract and he knows what makes you angry. He will attack your fears, your insecurities. He will attack the little things in your life to destroy you. And let me repeat this from the beginning Your spouse is not your enemy. Your spouse or the person you are dating is not your enemy. The devil is. And a true relationship goal is devil kicking. The second way the devil loves to attack us, loves to try and destroy our marriages, is through seduction. Is through seduction. When we talk about seduction, there are plenty of ways for the devil to to seduce you. But sadly, it appears that sexual immorality tends to be the highest. Tends to be the one that that tends to grip people uh, within the seduction. Today, it is stated stated that sixty percent of divorces cite porn being some type of factor in the reason for divorce. And I would even go on a limb that the other 40% probably pleaded the fifth. Paul states this. It's very simple. It's very plain. 1 Corinthians 6, 
verse 18. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Four words. Flee from sexual immorality. This word flee, when it is translated, literally translates as run as if you are on fire. Paul wasn't saying something or, you know, beating around the bush. He's saying run as if you are on fire. If there's any type of sexual immorality, run. And he says this in Ephesians 5, verse 3. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. Like none. What is a hint? And I want you to think about this seriously because everyone... I believe goes through distractions and everyone goes through seductions. But what is a hint? Is watching porn one or two times a week a hint of sexual immorality? Yeah, it is. Is watching that movie where there's some strong sexual graphics, is that a hint of sexual immorality? Yeah, it is. Is scrolling through Instagram and seeing models of guys or girls showing off their bodies all so they can get a follow or a like, is that a hint of sexual immorality? It is. It is a hint. How about this? How about, how about borderline inappropriate conversations with someone? Is that a hint of sexual immorality? Yeah. I don't think Paul would say, well, as long as it's not getting to you, you should be fine. No, Paul's saying not even a hint, because I, I believe that Paul understood the demonic, the devil, and how he worked, maybe even like way better than I do. And he understands that when we don't believe or we take it upon ourselves to judge what is a hint and what is not that is where the devil loves to work and here's the thing when these hints pop up within our life paul said not even a hint that we should get rid of if we have an emotional connection with someone at work, guess what? You get transferred. You don't work with them. If you can't, and then if you can't get transferred, you find a new job. If you go to the gym and you find yourself visually attracted and looking around and it's starting to affect you in negative ways, uh, guess what? You work out from home. You get the home gym. If Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, or anything like that takes you to places of lust, guess what? You cut those things out. You find accountability. Not a hint. You don't keep the door cracked. You slam it shut. This is your marriage. This is the fight you are in. And listen, listen. Why why in the world, why in the world would I fight a temptation in the future if I have the power to eliminate it today? Why in the world would I fight anything in the future when I have the power to eliminate it today? When it comes to your marriage or your future marriage or the relationship that you are in right now, why keep a door cracked? 
Why allow the little things into your life? Why give power over to Satan in your marriage? And if you are sitting out there and you're listening to this and you've made it this far, congrats. Um, But if you're sitting out out there and you say that this would never happen to us, this would never happen in my marriage, I want to quote the wise poet Justin Bieber and say, never say never. Never say never, because Satan wants you to have that mindset when it comes to distractions and seductions. He wants to sneak up on your marriage, and he wants to destroy it. See, God loves marriage. God loves the union, the covenant, the marriage is. But Satan hates the things that God loves. And we have an enemy that hates your marriage, that wants it to end, that wants everything about it to be over, that wants you to screw up, and he wants you to disgrace God because marriage is the picture of the church and the relationship of Jesus and that union in the covenant, and Satan will do anything in his power to destroy it. So what do we do? What do we do? The first thing we do is we slam any doors closed. Today, you slam any doors closed. What does that look like? Take away any distractions. Have open communication with, with your, uh, your partner, with your spouse. Get yourself out of any place where you might feel temptation or the possibility of temptation, even if it seems small and harmless, the devil loves to work in the same and in small and harmless ways. Because guess what? It never starts off as something big. It always starts off just small enough where it seems harmless. It takes you, and it begins to put wedges 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 in your marriage. And ultimately, it can destroy your marriage when it goes unchecked. Slam any doors. Think about what those doors are in your life. Slam them. Number two, put on the armor of God. We're going back to Fieldstone Kids ministry here, all right? Ephesians 6, the armor of God. It says this in Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. What is the full armor of God? I'm not going to read out the whole passage um, and all the different breastplates and helmets and all that stuff. uh, But I want to simplify it a little bit. The armor of God is this one. Be in the word. Be in the word togetherly, together and individually. Be in the word. Understand it. Let it renew your mind. And if you're not married, if you're not dating right now, prepare yourself. Be in the word. Put on the armor of God. Create those habits. Two, pray. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your significant other. Pray for your family. Pray for your kids. Because there is an enemy out there that wants to destroy your marriage. 
pray for each other. Pray specific, pray bold. And two, or the last one, so being the word pray, last one, be blameless. Be blameless, which is to let no one have a foothold on you. Don't do anything where you know what you're doing is wrong and that you know will affect your marriage. Don't let anyone be able to say anything against your marriage. Be blameless. Be in the word, pray, and be blameless. Slam those doors shut. Don't leave a door cracked. Have open conversations. Be devil-kicking. Commit together to resist temptation. Be devil-kicking. And that, my friends, is a real relationship goal. You can hashtag that if you want. Devil-kicking. Let's pray. God, I just pray that for all the marriages, future marriages, um, people that have gone through uh, marriages and, and maybe ended badly, Lord, we pray that um, our goals would be focused on you, that our, our relationship goals would always be Christ-centered, because without you, none of this is possible. Without your armor of God, without your knowledge of your word, we cannot be devil kicking. But with you, we can. God, I pray that we would just all make that our goal in our marriage today. In Jesus' name, amen.